the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with our special guest, Evangelist Nikki Cruz. He's going to be in town, by the way, speaking Thursday, April the 21st, 7 p.m. at Christian Cathedral. That's at 2433 Coolidge Avenue in Oakland. And then on Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. at Victory Outreach in Hayward. Complete details available at NikkiCruz.org. That's NikkiCruz.org. Dot O-R-G. You were mentioning just before the break, Nikki, about uh, this question of going into um, some of the most dangerous areas that you visited, not only in Argentina, but uh, even in, in France as well. And I think this idea of going into the areas where there is the greatest danger, because quite frankly, there is the greatest need, isn't there? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. And 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 I do believe that if we go by fear, we are we going to be defeated. But at the same time, we have to have discerning and be smart. But the areas that we go, you stand there, and, it, and, and, and really the Muslim, they just start from the outside, listen about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and yet, uh, we began to feel like what happened in Paris, that the police had to come and get me out because there was too many people, and they was afraid that there's going to be uh, an attack. So there was about 40 pol- policemen, uh, men and women, and all of these things, and yes, in the middle of the auto call, then ushered me, and then took me to the hotel. And, and, and then... Uh, I could not go for the uh, for the second night and the third night, but the thing is, I'm going to go back. But I told the people this place is too small. You're going to have a, a, a situation with people that are coming from everywhere. Chinese people that was there. There was uh, there was from Africa, from all kinds of different countries, from 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 Paris, and yet the place was very small. But the, the the thing I want to tell you is there was another city that that the place holds seven thousand in the Coliseum, and you had two thousand people outside. And you should see the way. Oh my Lord! When I was driving to the Crusade, I thought that, they, that I, I say, "Wow, they they have to open the door for the people to get in." No, no. I saw this beautiful family coming in eating their sandwich, I don't know, they came for uh, two, uh, uh, two hours driving, and they want to be in the crusades. So, so I'm touched, I'm deeply touched, and that's the reason I'm going back. It, it is, it, it is, it is, I believe France is going to be the biggest surprise of all surprise for all 
that worked them well. You know, the interesting thing, there's, there's I think, two commonalities in both your experience in France as well as Argentina. Uh, both countries have dealt with economic challenges, certainly a tremendous amount of political turmoil. I mean, uh, Argentina alone, uh, now there's a brand new president, uh, Mauricio Marci, who was just elected last year. Uh, he's had to come in as a, a sort of a major head of the cleanup committee to try to deal with the, the economic and political uh, disaster that Argentina has become over recent years. Um, that, coupled with what we've seen of not only the spread of, of secular humanism in France for so long, but most recently the in flux of the influence of Islam and, and the, the attending violence to all of that. Both of these cases would seem to me um, that, Nikki, it has led to a tremendous sense of hunger. The people look at all of this and they say, my goodness, my, my life has become nothing. These young people in particular feel as if they have no future because of what's happening in their nations economically and politically. I wonder if, to a certain degree, we're even seeing the stage set here for that in the United States with not only the statistics that we talked about earlier, but just looking at the, the political turmoil with this election right now, we continue to see a, a great sense of volatility on Wall Street. The American middle class family is being squeezed out economically. Do you think this is setting a stage here for a potential uh, sense of, of tremendous revival in America? It's got to be, Craig. There's no other way. it got to be. that. I don't see other way because... Either we are a bunch of chickens that we cannot speak, or either or we allow this progressive movement to come and try to change with all kinds of idealistic uh, uh, ways, and we, the church, just keep silent. So it either leads to tremendous revival or tremendous destruction. The judgment started in the house of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. You, you made a comment that I heard in one of your crusades, in a video that I saw online, in one of your crusades in, in France, where you said that we as the church can no longer be passive about evangelism. What did you mean by that? That we cannot, uh, we cannot allow ourselves just to go through this life. The biggest, the biggest shame for every person that say that I'm a born again, that Christ lives in my heart. And that person never, never give a birth to another person. That is the biggest shame that can happen. We got to take it. We got to start witnessing for Jesus Christ. To, uh, that's this thing that you cannot, you cannot talk about Jesus in, in your working place and in all this, in these areas. I do believe, I do believe that this is United States of America. I do believe that the, in the way that this country was built and the way that we believe in God, in Christ, we have to be conscious that we cannot allow anybody from another country to tell us how to live our life because, because that's the way it is. If you go to those countries in the Middle East and all those areas. Yes, if you talk about Jesus, they chop your head off. But they can come over here and they can go ahead and they can, uh, this is America, the free. And that's, that, that's the way it is. Well, we're going to have to come to a place in our lives that when violence began to take over because in the name of religion, 
did you have heard anybody uh, that have shot somebody hurt in the name of Jesus Christ? Yeah, it's certainly not. Thing that this is, and then the young people, they, they are so vulnerable, so vulnerable. And I think we have been victimized by, by one of the, the, the most advanced technology that, that what is tend to be good, it can end up to be evil. And we have to have control on that because there's too many things, too many dirty things. This is the most uh, disgusting election that I ever have been in my life. This is when our nation is wounded and we need leadership. We, what I feel is that who can be the, our new president? Who can have the heart to, for our, our nation, for our people? And where is the church in this, in this moment? Uh, we are going to walk into the prophetic area of time when we're going to believe a revival just like happened in the book of Acts, or we're going to be silent. Uh, that's, that's what I feel, Craig. I feel that with all my heart. And I believe that you can be a witness any place that you go with your life. Uh, every, I have bring people to Jesus, in, in, in the captain in, in, in 32 thousand feet I have watched this captain cry like a baby holding my hands and asking Jesus to come into his heart just because he found out that I was in the airplane and he, he said my wife have read your book and all of this and the cross and Swiss play and run baby run if this is, is the, the real Nicky Cruz I say yes and uh, yes Jesus changed me and in five minutes I talked to that man about Jesus and you know what it was so moving that the, the that he sent the co-pilot and the co-pilot got converted too, it, it, right there on the air. This Jesus is everywhere. Let's take him. Let's take him to the place that he belongs. Nicky Cruz with us today. We're um, visiting, talking about not only his recent crusades in Argentina and in France, but as well his upcoming visit to the San Francisco Bay Area. He'll be at Christian Cathedral on Coolidge Avenue in Oakland. That's Thursday, April the 21st at 7 p.m. And then that Sunday at Victory Outreach in Hayward. That'll be Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. Details on Nikki's website at NikkiCruz.org. That's NikkiCruz.org. Or you can also check Check out Victory Outreach's website at VO Oakland. Think of Victory Outreach, VOOkland.org. A brief time out. Back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today on this edition of Lifeline is evangelist Nikki Cruz. He, of course, the subject of the wildly famous book, The Cross and the Switchblade, also author of Run, Baby, Run, which has been translated into more than 40 languages worldwide. Nikki just recently returned from uh, unbelievably massive crusades 
all across Argentina in December of last year. And then, of course, earlier uh, a visit that crisscrossed some 17 different venues in France. And, of course, um, once again, we've seen uh, Europe in the news in the wake of the horrific Islamic uh, terrorist attacks in Brussels. And that growing sense that while there is perhaps less attention being paid to the traditional church, particularly amongst young people, um, it doesn't mean that there's not hunger out there. In fact, some of these false teachings and false religions like Islam uh, are attracting young people, I think, uh, Nikki, because there's a sense of frustration out there. People are looking for something real. They're looking for something that they can call home or feel like they're a part of. In some ways, it's probably not all that different than what you experienced on the streets of Brooklyn when you were a teenager. Uh, Brooklyn, for you, for many years was home. And I guess in, in, a, in a real sense, Many of your fellow gang members were like a substitute family, weren't they? Yes, but I remember that <laughs> at that time we were the pioneers of the gangs. We were living in a war zone. This was no, uh, there was a teenager, we were killing one another. The, the, the street was, uh, the sidewalk was full of blood, of young people killing one another. And I was part of, the, of, of that kind of. Uh, ugly revolution and and it took a, a skinny preacher by the name of Wilker, Dave Wilkerson to break through to a place that it was so dangerous that the police warned Dave Wilkerson, don't go over there they're going to kill him. That place is so dangerous that Dracula and Frankenstein was so afraid to walk in, in that neighborhood <laughs> and yet here is this a skinny preacher came and just demons started tremble. I am not a fanatic. I'm very conservative in a way of, of, of speaking in my area. But I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that Wilkerson was under the power of the Holy Ghost. He was with, with one of the greatest things that is the science of the preachers, uh, like you said, Greg, in the, in the radio, you minister, that the boldness that these men have, after I slap him, I spit at him, and I send him to hell, and I call him every name in the X book, and that man say words that only had to be the Holy Spirit, had to be designed by the Holy Spirit because he didn't have it. He told me right there, I got a message for you, Nikki. I came here to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. And that's when I spit at him and I push him against the wall. And he was shaking, but at the same time, right in my very, very eyes, these men have changed so rapidly, and boldness came over him. And you know what he told me? He screamed, and there were 300 people there. Kill me! Kill me! I said, what's the matter with this guy? Go ahead, is that going to make you feel good in front of these people? And I know you can do it. Go ahead and kill me. You can kill me, Nikki, and cut me in thousand pieces, and you can throw them right there on the streets. But remember, every little piece is going to cry out that Jesus loves you. And I tell you, Craig, that is the message that we miss in the boldness of the Holy Spirit to witness for Jesus Christ. And don't be afraid that the Lord is going to be right there when demons have to be trembled because the holiness of Christ is above everything 
that you can imagine. For that to happen, is it important, in your opinion, for the church to return to its first love? I mean, we, we even see in Scripture this sense yes. that the church oftentimes, I mean, individual believers, we, we've, we've grown cold. Uh, we're not as enthusiastic about God's word as we once were. We don't pray like we once did. There's the sense, perhaps, that discipleship is is not as important to the church. And I wonder if the the, the lack of boldness in the church today is because we've grown cold against the Lord. It is. It's, it's, I, I, I don't know how you can see it, Craig, because I like you, but I'm a stray, remember? I love you, but I'm a stray. Uh, uh, because uh, today we cannot say to another person, I love you in Christ. But yes, you 110% right. The situation got to be that we are, we are complacent with, 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 with ourselves. We don't see beyond. We, 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 we just, some way, somehow, uh, we have been bombarded by so many theology, new theology, that God never heard about it. And when you began to see this, uh, people are fascinating. There's some people that are vulnerable, vulnerable for anything. But when you be gullible, that is the signs of a stupidity. I believe that what we have to do be vulnerable for the Holy Spirit, especially for a sinner. You've got to be vulnerable for, for Jesus to touch your heart. That's what happened to me. And just being a rebel, the Holy Spirit was so strong in that place that I became vulnerable. And then from being vulnerable, I became like a little boy crying out to Jesus to help me, to forgive me, hugging my girlfriend. And there about 25 guys and their girlfriend. That was nothing but a valley of tears. There was moaning and groaning with pain because the abuse, that I was abused and I was a little boy. The girls that had been abused, the drugs that was all over, the killing that was in the street. So this, the only way out is somebody who comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it right there into the street. And that's what Wilkerson did. And that's what we're going to do in, uh, in this summer in Milwaukee. Uh, we're going to bombard the whole, uh, the, the whole city of Milwaukee. And the, the, the governor going to be one of the co-chairmen. And uh, the other lady, uh, she's, she's, she's the one that, that is close to the governor. The, if you watch the television, the, the sherry from Milwaukee is involved. We're going to hit the street. We're going to go out to the dangerous area, and we're going to go all over from New York, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Detroit. We're going to go to Cleveland. We're going to go and do. I have few years to live in this, but I'm going to... I'm going to die on my standing on my feet. Amen. Go out in a blaze, as they say. In a blaze, man. <laughs> That's the only way to go. We are thrilled also that, Nikki, you're going to be coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. Again, I want to remind listeners that Nikki Cruz will be here in the Bay Area Thursday, April the 21st at 7 p.m. He'll be speaking at Christian Cathedral. That's at 2433 
Coolidge Avenue in Oakland, and then on Sunday, April the 24th at 1 p.m. at Victory Outreach of Hayward. Complete details available on Nikki's website at NikkiCruz.org. That's NikkiCruz.org. Nikki, we sure appreciate the time. I am thrilled for the good report of uh, what you're seeing God do firsthand in both France and in Argentina, and I think much to be encouraged about here in America. And it's an important call, as you say, for for the church to get serious again, not only about our, our relationship with Christ, but to be bold in the proclamation of the good news of the gospel, because after all, there is a lost and dying world that's just out there searching for answers, and it's the duty, it's the responsibility of we as the church to get out there and share those answers with the lost and dying world, isn't it? Uh, let me say one thing. By the Lord, Jesus Christ, bless Lifeline and bless the greatest man of the radio interview, Craig Robert. I have done so many interviews, but you was totally accurate in your statements. And I, and I pray that your ministry will go beyond because it's the Holy Spirit who's going to take you. Well, God bless you, Nikki. I appreciate the kind words. And again, I want to remind listeners to mark your calendars. Nikki Cruz coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. Two dates, Thursday, April the 21st in Oakland at Christian Cathedral, and then Sunday, April the 24th at Victory Outreach of Hayward. Details on the web at Victory Outreach's website, vooakland.org, or Nikki Cruz's website at nikkicruz.org. That's nikkicruz.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Let's talk about some battle lines being drawn that is comprised of entertainment, the Internet, Madison Avenue, social media, even institutionalized enemies of your beliefs and values. And it is a battle for the hearts and minds of your children. What can we do to be better prepared to wage or protect our children in the middle of this battle? Well, a look today at 30 ways, 30 days to strengthen your family. And uh, joining me tonight is the author of this new book, former vice president of the Heritage Foundation, also serves currently on the board of directors for Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk, and a new book out tonight, again, 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family, newly published by David C. Cook Publications. And Rebecca Hegland, great to have you on the program. Hey, thank you. It's an honor for me to finally be on the air with you. Thank you. Well, you know, I think we as parents understand that there's a battle afoot here. Uh, The problem is really understanding how these battle lines are drawn, Rebecca, and I guess understanding, too, and you you make this differentiation very early on in your book, that we need to be able to, to divide in our mind the understanding that our battle here is not really with our children, though many parents parents would feel like that that's exactly who they're doing battle with. But in reality, the real battle here is with the culture, isn't it? Yep, that's exactly right. Um, You know, I wanted to provide a handbook for parents so they could face, um, you know, the world and trying to raise their children with character with some help. And one of the chapters in there is called Battle the Culture, Not Your Child. And what it encourages parents to do is just kind of sit back and reflect on the fact that, hey, it is adults 
that are designing the pornographic websites. Adults are designing the songs for 10-year-old girls. Adults are designing the raunchy music that so many children um, are being pummeled with. Your battle's not with your child. Your battle is frequently with adults who have a different worldview than you do. And they're vying for the dollars that today's youth spend. I mean, our children today are the most affluent children in the history of the world, and the fact that they, for the first time in many generations, um, have their own disposable income, and the marketers know that, and so they're after that share of the pie, and unfortunately, what they've learned how to do, there's also a chapter called Learn How Marketers Target Your Children, which is a study into um, how executives of a lot of these companies, MTV in particular, brag about not how they know what teenagers want, but they brag about how they've learned to manipulate the teenage mind. And so it's important for parents to understand this. Um, and then once parents read at least those couple chapters to sit down and go over them with their children too because then it becomes you and your child against the world versus you against your child. And you know the and irony is really important for, for our parents when they raised us of course the environment uh, the culture and times in which we lived was very different. Today these battles and the battle lines are being drawn in as you're suggesting Rebecca in a number of different uh, arenas. I mean it's not just Madison Avenue and the disposable income that your children have access to and they're being viewed as all potential customers from uh, virtually the age of zero on up. But then, too, there are individuals out there that have a social engineering agenda that that uh, it really draws a battle line. And then outright exploitation, too. Yep, absolutely. I mean, in, in America, it used to be that the social institutions, by and large, came along beside parents and helped them. Um, today, you have a lot of educators, and certainly the NEA is is driving a wedge between parents and their children, telling parents they're not smart enough that you know that they know better. Uh, the teachers know better that you don't really have any rights once your kids go in the schoolhouse door. Um, even the medical profession has changed a lot in the fact they used to help support parents raise children of character. I actually have a story in there about taking my daughter, who was 12 years old, for a sports physical. And the pediatrician, female pediatrician, actually, after she did the physical, asked me to leave the room because she said she needed to talk privately with my daughter. And I go through the story of how I said, uh, no, I will stay here for anything you have to say to my daughter. And the long to make a long story short, the point is that I did some research after that. And uh, the American Cat Academy of Pediatrics is actually encouraging doctors to ask parents to leave the room so the doctors can talk to the children about sexual information. Um, and what the doctor was trying to share with my daughter is, hey, it's up to you to do what you feel. Um, some people believe sex is, you know, only for marriage, but you get to decide that at 12 years old. Um, and so this is a book that really shows how the social institutions are um, undermining um, parents and families and what to do to fight back and how to do so joyfully, I might add.
And of course, that that is key because at the end of the day, I think parents sometimes, you know, we're busy with careers and responsibilities that parents have to pay the mortgage and uh, pay tuition at school and and do all of that, and then on top of it, trying to raise a child um, in an environment that is God honoring with the kind of uh, values that we'd like to see passed on to our sons and daughters. And sometimes I think parents grow weary in the middle of this battle and all of a sudden now there becomes confusion. It seems as if we're battling our child, not battling the culture. So how do we differentiate between the two? And most importantly, how can we engage our child in a, at a level in which we can really have not only effective communication, but also walk away with a sense that uh, they're getting what we're trying to say, even with the so-called, uh, uh, you know, uh, gender or, or uh, uh, age gap. We're visiting today with Rebecca Hegland. book is called 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family. And when we come back, we're going to talk about an important key as we kind of go over some of the highlights of the book, including this notion that just like soldiers at war, We ourselves must commit to this battle on behalf of our children daily. Our conversation with Rebecca Hegelin continues right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And as we're learning this afternoon from author Rebecca Hagelin and the new book she's written called 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family, it's not the battlefield for the heart and mind of your child. It's the battlefields, plural, be it media, advertising, social engineering, uh, those that would literally um, uh, prey upon your children in the arena of sex trade, pedophilia, even the pressure that they receive from their peers, all comes together to conspire against the parent who is really trying in this day and age to uh, train up a child in the way that he or she should go and uh, have love and respect and uh, live to a set of, of moral codes or moral values that you and your faith have established for your son or daughter. And of course, one of the issues at play here is that, as I mentioned before the break, Rebecca, parents can get weary and tired, but this um, this is much like a real war, isn't it? In that the soldiers need to commit and recommit to this on a daily basis if we're ever going to have any chance of winning. Yeah, but I call it purposeful parenting. And you really do have to get up in your heart every day uh, committed to this battle. Because guess what? The pornographers don't start. The people who are teaching our children that they're just here by accident, you know, um, there's some advanced former primordial ooze, they don't stop. The garbage on the television or the Internet doesn't stop. So what I did when I was a parent of three teenagers simultaneously, I started waking up with a simple prayer in my heart, which went something like this, and I've got it in the chapter on Commit to the Daily Battle. Dear Lord, please help me today, on this one day, to stand up for the principles that you've set for my family, to to touch my children in some deep and meaningful way in their hearts so that I know that they know that I love them and I'm there for them and I have their backs. Just give me enough grace on this one day to be courageous and joyful, Lord. And and I can tell you, if you break it down day by day, you can do this. 
And you can find great joy because when you share truth with your children, you help them determine between truth and lies, great joy and freedom comes from that. Um, you know, one of the other things that's really important in this daily battle, and I have a whole chapter on this too, is you don't make your house a no zone. It can't be, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. You have to be able to help your children make alternative choices that are fun and enjoyable for them. And again, this is about finding joy in parenting um, God's way. And it's actually woven all throughout every chapter on the book about how to do that. Now, it could be argued, well, uh, Rebecca, here's the challenge. Uh, There are so many arenas, as we've suggested, that uh, parents are battling today. My goodness, how could I ever hope to inoculate them against everything that's out there? And I guess that's the difference between uh, teaching them item by item versus equipping them with the ability to think on their own based on a set of moral guidelines and standards that would serve as the compass or the guidelines for them so that when they run into things that are not good and not healthy for them, be it the source of the internet, television, social media, whatever, that they've got the capacity to be able to engage in some judgment call on their own. That's exactly right. I mean, the purpose of my book is not to tell parents to build walls around your children to protect them from the world. Number one, that's a bad idea. Number two, you can't do that. You do exactly what you just said. It's about developing in them an internal moral compass and showing them how to use it. Because your children are going out into the world every day. In just a few short years, they're going to be walking down that graduation aisle and out your door. And, you know, our children are not always going to make the right choices, but my husband and I determined they are going to know the difference between right and wrong. They're not going to live leave our house wondering what is right, and they're not going to leave our house believing in all the lies that the culture is trying to teach them. And it makes them stronger, and it uh, makes them really protecting them from a lot of the negative consequences that their peers are going to be suffering. Um, If you teach them these strong moral principles when they're young and do it every day. And, of course, that also takes some commitment on our behalf, doesn't it? I mean, it would be nice to say as a parent, well, here's this list of do's and don'ts that I've typed up. So just keep this in your back pocket. And whenever a question comes up, just refer to the list. I mean, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that, as we're suggesting. And I would imagine that in terms of helping them understand and, and create the ability to reason through and know the difference in the variety of ways in which they will be bombarded by all of these sources with the kind of tough choices that they have to make make. And that, I guess, at the end of the day, Rebecca, comes simply through time and interaction with our kids. You you can't do this by remote, can you? No, you can't. I mean, you know, the world will try to tell you, oh, don't worry, it's about quality time versus quantity time. You know, it's actually both. I mean, God gave little babies to moms and dads for a reason. It's because we are supposed to hold them in our arms and in our hearts and teach them what is true and what is not true. And you can't do that in just a few minutes a day. 
Uh, you do it over a lifetime. You do it by creating family time. You know, I've got a chapter in there on that, and that's what it's called. And I use the word create very deliberately because you're not going to find extra family time. You have to create it in today's culture. Um, you have to learn how to have meaningful discussions with your children. And I provide some tips that I've worked for others um, that are in the book as well. And uh, again, you know, when children are in a home where they know mom and dad are committed to them, where they understand, you know, where the boundaries are and what the foundation is, children, study after study reveals they're happier, they're healthier emotionally, um, they're less likely to be involved in drugs or sexual activity outside of marriage. It's just a thousand and one reasons why you should be engaged in purposeful parenting and, and starting afresh and anew tonight if, if you've not done that before. And going back to my notion that a, a simple list of do's and don'ts is not going to cut it, is modeling important here so that as the child watches you make the decisions and go through just day-to-day household life and what it means to be a parent and the child is watching you is it important that you're you're modeling consistency in terms of setting the example yes it's always important i've actually got chapters there about helping to teach your children how to to make good friendships and uh part of that includes why don't you mom and dad take a few minutes to examine your own friendships um, your children are watching the friends you choose. Um, there's information there. You know, a lot of people worry about their kids dealing with peer pressure. Well, there are a lot of moms and dads that won't deal too well with peer pressure ourselves. And um, so there's information there, kind of look like a little workbook at the end of each chapter to help parents kind of get their own house in order and realize uh, that they do have to set that a good example. And your children are really, they're dying for you to do that. They're just waiting for you to step up to the plate and really practice what we preach. And, um, and, and again, a lot of joy comes from when you do that and live that way. And Rebecca, I would imagine they're probably watching a lot closer than we would suspect. In other words, the inconsistency of saying to a child, uh, it's not okay to steal gum, uh, you know, walking through the uh, the five and dime store. Does it even exist anymore? <laughs> it's not okay to steal gum. So you're, you're trying to instill in your child the notion that it's not okay to steal. And then for your child to overhear a conversation between you and your spouse about how you've underreported, you know, some side income from your income taxes, they're going to catch on to those things, aren't they? Oh, they're totally going to catch on to those things. And, you know, when you tell your child, you get a phone call and you say, tell them I'm not here. And you think, oh, that's just a little white lie. A lie is a lie, and your children are learning from you. And they know that, oh, mom and dad tell me it's wrong to lie, but they lie to their friends. So it really starts with examining, you know, your own heart and home and and mom and dad sitting down and and realizing, you know what, if we've made mistakes, it's okay. We're going to start over. One of of the things I find um, that's so sad is parents of teenagers, oftentimes they'll hear me speak and they'll think, beginning, oh, it's too late, I've done it all wrong. And my my answer to that is, as long as there is breath in you, there was 
there's always a chance to repair and restore and make stronger a relationship in your life. And along with that, um, our kids are looking for heroes. In a day and an age when there are so many anti-heroes out there, wouldn't it be nice whether you're starting when, you know, the kids are, are six days old, six years, or, you know, they're in your 60s and you're in your 80s, to be able to to have a son or a daughter say, Mom was my hero, Dad is my hero? Oh, my goodness. It's so important. Um, and, again, I have another chapter on that because today hero is confused with sports star, right? Oh, yes. Or movie star <laughs> or recording star. And it's very important to teach our children what makes a real hero and what a hero is so that they can learn to do heroic things in their own life. You know, a hero is, is most often described as somebody who makes sacrifices on behalf of another. And uh, we need to teach our children that and find heroes in your own family to start with. Maybe you had a, a you know, a great grandfather or grandfather who who served in World War II, or you know, or maybe you have a friend whose son is a soldier in Afghanistan or something. Look for heroes close to home. Um, to, and tell their stories to your children and show them as role models, you know, rather than that latest basketball star who's in trouble again um, for the way he's treated his girlfriend or something. Um, very important for our kids to understand that. Yeah, and, and helping them to understand the difference, as Rebecca points out. Uh, newsflash for a lot of kids and parents out there. Kim Kardashian's not a hero. Kanye West is not a hero. But there are plenty of heroes out there, and you can start to uh, influence your child in a big way to become a hero in their eyes as well, no matter when you start. And I think that's an encouraging message that Rebecca Hegelin has shared with us today. The book is called 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family. And what's great about the book is it's it's pretty interactive, and um, a lot of the uh, sort of the backside to all of these uh, insights uh, are following up on by Rebecca's daughter. And so you get a chance to kind of see the parental perspective, child's perspective, what all that means and how that dialogue, how that interaction, how that quality time can come about. The book again, 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family. It's author, our guest on this edition of Lifeline, Rebecca Hegland. Rebecca, thanks so much for your time today. The book, by the way, published by David Cook, available in bookstores throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. You'll find it at the usual suspects, Amazon.com, as well as on Rebecca's website, theresurgent.com. That's theresurgent.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.